are about to listen to 52 Podcasts to Science Fiction Film Literacy, an exploration of the history within science fiction film. Your host is Chris Garcia, and we're starting now. Any list of science fiction films, if you're looking at history and want to take yourself seriously, has to start with A Trip to the Moon by George Melies. And there's very good reason for that. One, it's probably the most influential science fiction film in history. Uh, I can only think of two others that come close. One is uh, Star Wars and the other is The Matrix. You will argue, I know, but that's what this whole series is about. (laughs) The film itself was a big-budget effects fest. It cost 10,000 francs. I believe that was the most expensive film ever made at that point. It was somewhere between 18 to 16 minutes which was one of the longest films ever made at that point. At that point, before that, uh, the films that Edison and the Lumières and even Melier was making at that point usually weren't much more than a minute. Uh, Melier started to sort of build it up and turn it into a longer form. And so here you have well beyond ten minutes. And it's a very simple story. And it's based off of two works by Jules Verne, uh, From Earth to the Moon and Around the Moon. And the story is basically the Astronomers Club has five brave men who get shot in a capsule to the moon. They meet selenites, these sort of tumbling alien things, and they meet their king and they run away and they fall back down to Earth. Simple. What's not so simple is what the film meant overall. And Melier himself, of course, if you've seen Hugo, uh, you sort of know the story of Melier, and they actually cover it very well, I think. But he was a magician. And he had the magician's eye for how to do tricks. But he was also just a showman. And it shows in every piece of this uh, the Astronomers Club, when they show that, it's this beautiful building sort of thing. And there's costumes and beautiful paintings. The backgrounds are amazing. The costumes are great. The cinematography is phenomenal for the time. But again, very simple. At this point, the whole film concept was you put a camera down, you had a scene play out behind it, and then you moved on to the next one and you did the same thing. So it's sort of stiff. The methods in which you use it, he built this glass house studio, which massively huge, that allowed him to do all this natural lighting while being indoors thing, which is cool. Uh, he did a whole bunch of things like uh, jump cuts and substitution splicing, which is great. He also wrote, and this is sort of a an interesting thing. He supposedly wrote a narration for the story. Which, you know, silent film was never really silent. There was always something meant to go with it, with the exception of some avant-garde films, which are 
purposely silent. And supposedly there were also film scores written for it, most notably at the Olympia Music Hall in Paris in 1902, had a special score written for it. Uh, Supposedly there's all sorts of music that has been written for it over the years, which is great, but I think it's more interesting just to watch it for the visuals. And these were hand-tinted. Uh, the original versions, and I don't believe until like the last 15 or 20 years, a version with the original tints survived. And it's great. Because they're beautifully tinted. And while they may not have been naturalistic colors, they were vibrant. And it's the influence of the imagery that really becomes important. And the imagery is that sort of Baroque, European of the last 300 years look that comes then, of course, to the up-to-the-date Victorian look. And if you look at all sorts of different things, the entire steampunk movement, a large swatch of it has taken their imagery, their concepts, from A Trip to the Moon. If you look at the music video by Smashing Pumpkins tonight, that's basically a remake of this as a music video. Although none of them have the perfect... I don't know how they do it in A Trip to the Moon. Well, I know the technical, but I don't know how they made it work so beautifully, where the Selenites are rolling at him, and he hits them with an umbrella, and they explode into smoke. It's gorgeous. It's wonderful. That's actually probably one of my favorite images from all of uh, from all of film history. And of course, the most famous image from this is the moon sticking, uh, standing there, and the capsule that they're fired in comes closer, and then it sticks in its eye. And that's a hugely important image, and everyone who knew film knew that image. Probably for another 15, 20 years. And I really think uh, Un Chien Andalou by uh, Dali and Bunuel use the, you know, the slicing of the eye imagery as a large sort of reference to this. That actually having the eye being attacked is an important thing. And that's, of course, every film professor will tell you that that's an entire metaphor for the history of film, that it is an assault by the filmmaker upon the eyes of the viewer. The moon represents the viewer, the capsule represents the film, the cannon represents the filmmaker, blah. I don't care. None of that really matters. But there's so much more interesting stuff happening here. And, of course, the legacy of the film itself is remarkable. Uh, there were remakes. Uh, there's at least two that I've seen. Uh, one is a Spanish, uh, a Spanish unauthorized remake called uh, Excursion to the Moon. There's an American one, I believe, done by uh, one of the truly great innovators, uh, Edwin Potter. Edwin Porter. Uh, but what? how this really lived on and why it had such a long run was piracy. And everyone pirated this film. Everyone. And 
Because it was so, it's so simple to copy a film. So there were thousands of copies. And some of them, uh, depending on what time period some of them would have, uh, title cards cut in. Some of them were... Uh, once sound came about, some of them had a soundtrack played on it. But what's funny is that a lot of this just went away. And almost all the original versions, particularly the French, the ones that uh, Millier authorized and sent around from the Star Company, uh, were destroyed during World War I. And the fact that Millier's was not even around uh, was... He was around, he was alive, he was working as a sweet salesman, apparently, but really... He was gone from the entire business, which is a shame. A Trip to the Moon is probably the film that not only made science fiction film, but helped make science fiction. And by giving this idea of... You can take a film and do this massive production around it. That you can build this sort of world in your film. When you look at what the Americans tend to think of as sort of the great eye-opener of the possibilities of film, the great train robbery, if you compare the two, there's absolutely no comparison. A Trip to the Moon definitely builds a world. Whereas the Great Train Robbery is nearly a snapshot. A Trip to the Moon, of course, if you want to learn more about it, uh, I absolutely 100% recommend the movie Hugo. Uh, they do an action, excellent job of... There's a section of it where they actually look at Melier's career, and it's phenomenal. Melier's Magician, available on DVD, has this and many, many other films. Uh, there are tons of his movies are on YouTube, of course, and Vimeo. And sort of look at the... Melier, as a filmmaker, did some amazing things. Uh, again, of course, mostly using his magic act, but... If you look at sort of his Cinderella and other films like that, Joan of Arc, you'll definitely see that he was thinking very broadly. And you can definitely draw, and as we go on, I'll be drawing him, uh, drawing parallels to Millier and several other filmmakers, uh, notably George Lucas. They have a very similar path and a very similar concept of what film can do. And now... David Brott sums it all up. So, here's my question for you. Oh, we're doing this. Yes, we are doing this, whether you like it or not. Oh, good. A Trip to the Moon, the most important science fiction film ever made? Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you need me to elaborate on that, or should I? Not particularly. Oh, okay. Well, then. Yes. No, uh, I mean, just, I mean, for its special effects work alone, there's just really no comparison for the leaps it's made. So, that's our first episode. The next episode is looking at a film I have not yet seen. And it's, I want to say it's the first British film on the uh, series called A Message from Mars. So, 
We'll see you then. Thanks for listening.